This podcast is for information purposes only. Nothing should be taken as professional or medical advice or opinion. Please consult your mental health or primary care provider for professional advice. All names and details have been changed to protect the submitter's identity. If you are experiencing an emergency, please dial 911 immediately. Pitney, and you've tuned in to the How Can I Help You podcast. Well, I'm still stuck at home with the COVID-19 stay-at-home order in our state. Are you? I don't know about you, but um, it's getting a little long and boring for our family. And yeah, I'm still recording in my bedroom. So um, my husband, he's funny. He says that on a football team, There's always one assistant coach that they call the get back coach. And he's the guy that walks up and down the sideline and tells all the players to get back, get back so that they don't crowd the field. And he says that he feels like that with our dogs. Because when I'm in here recording, he has to tell the dogs, get back, get back. She doesn't want you in there. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I hope you're coping all right. For those of you who are sick or um, missing work, hey, you know, my heart goes out to you. We're all going to get through this one way or another. Anyway, I'm here with you. All right, well, let's get to the content for today. So as you know, I'm a social worker, and my specialty is that I work with families and individuals in crisis. And a crisis is a time of difficulty, trouble, or decision-making, or increased stress in your life. And I love to help people and answer questions. So if you have a question or a comment, you can email me at howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com or you can go to my website and submit a comment or a question there, howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com. So in an earlier episode, I answered a question from a mom called Sarah, and she was dealing with a bully who was on her child's school bus. And we talked all about ways that she could help her child during the bus ride. But we didn't really go into whether or not she should confront the bully's parent. And I wanted to save that conversation for a different episode because I do think there's so much information in there and so much to talk about that it really deserves to stand on its own. So in this episode, it's called Confrontations. We're going to talk about that and unpack how to confront somebody and when and where and all that good stuff. First of all, confronting somebody does not have to be an aggressive or hostile time. In fact, it shouldn't be. It should be calm. It might be more useful to call this type of conversation a crucial conversation rather than a confrontation to get away from the idea that it's two parties going head-to-head and in an argument. If you're interested in the reference for this podcast, I got this information from Bill Eddy's ebook called Biff, B-I-F-F, and you can find it online and download it. Um, there's also a really good book called Crucial Conversations, and I put the references for both of these books on my website, so check it out. The first thing you need to decide and you need to think about when you're thinking about confronting somebody is do you really need to address this situation? 
Here's the questions to ask yourself. Number one, what are you trying to accomplish with this conversation? Are you trying to get your voice heard or are you trying to get back at the person or have the last word? If that's your motivation, then maybe you really don't need to have this conversation. Number two, how do you think the conversation is going to affect you? What kind of emotional space are you in? Are you calm enough to have this conversation? Or do you think you're going to get angry and tearful? If you're too emotional, you need to let some time go by. You need to be able to have the conversation in a calm and respectful manner. Number three, what kind of reaction can you expect from the other party? What's the worst thing that could happen? Like, for instance, if you're thinking about confronting the chief of your department and you could get fired, you need to think long and hard about how you're going to do it and if you really need to. What is the worst thing that can happen if everything goes sideways, if the other person absolutely will not listen to you? Can you live with the consequences? You have to ask yourself that. Number four, do you really have all the facts? This is so important, and so many times people rush into decisions and conversations and confrontations, and they skip this step. Don't do that. Do your research. What's the history of the problem? What have people tried to do to solve it in the past? How long has it been going on? You may do some research and find out that now you understand the problem better than you did before, and you don't really have to have this conversation at all. And whenever you make a decision, make sure you take some time to stop and get all the facts. You might not even have to make the decision. It's really important. So now you've done all this and you decide you need to engage with somebody else. You decide that there's something out there that you do need to address. You can't just leave it hanging. So the next thing you need to think about is where is this conversation going to take place? Should it be in a private place, like an office with a closed door? Or do you need to have some witnesses? Now, I wouldn't recommend bringing a bunch of people to gang up on somebody. That's just going to make them feel defensive. I would say a private place, in most cases, is a better idea. Face-to-face -face is always going to be better than on the phone. And remember, these days, it's really easy to record a phone conversation. Okay, so think about that. Now, when you deliver your comments, I would recommend using what I call your doctor voice. This is a voice you hear when the doctor comes in and tells you something that's serious, but not necessarily life or death. So let's say, for instance, your tonsils need to be removed. Your doctor would come in. They would look you in the eye. They would be very calm. They would lower their voice, slow down the speed of their conversation and they would say something like Mrs. Pitney your tonsils are infected and your adenoids are the size of golf balls okay this is really bad and if they're not taken out they're not going to get better so we really do need to do surgery on you we do it all the time it's not a hard surgery but we do need to get this done okay here's a pamphlet you can read all about it. Do you have any questions? No? All right. Well, then you can go and make an appointment for your pre-op with the receptionist on the way out. 
Have a great day. See you soon. Okay, now did you hear how that was delivered? It was brief. It was very informative. It had facts. It had a timeline. Asked if I had any questions. It was very friendly. Okay, and it was firm. It gave me a ending and an exit point. Okay, do you have any questions? No? Then you can make an appointment on your way out of the office. Thanks and have a great day. Okay, it had a firm ending. Now you can remember this with the acronym BIFF. B-I-F-F. -F. Brief, informative, friendly, and firm. So, if Sarah, in our previous episode, wanted to confront the parent of the bully on the bus, she could say something like this. Miss Jones, my child told me that your child is teasing him on the bus and called him a walrus. It's making my child very upset and it needs to stop. Could you please let your child know that this is not okay? Thanks, I appreciate it. Now, did you hear how that was brief, informative, friendly, and firm? Resist getting pulled into a back-and-forth conversation. Say your statement, and then close your mouth, and then listen to the response. Don't get personal. Don't insult the other party. Don't admonish them. That's just going to make them defensive. Don't offer advice. Nobody asked you for advice. And don't apologize. When you're confronting somebody, you're trying to get the information communicated and solve the problem. You're not apologizing. Some people take an apology as an admission of guilt, so be careful, all right? And also, assume that anything that you say may be repeated to others, so you need to keep it very brief, very friendly, but firm. Another one to confront someone that I use a lot in my practice is to form my concern as a question. For instance, I might say something like, I'm confused. I thought you were in a housing crisis and you can't pay your rent, but I see you have a $600 car payment. See, it's a question, right? Or I called the school and they said that you haven't been to sixth period in four days. Can you help me understand what's going on? Help me understand is a really good phrase to use. I use that a lot. And uh, my social work supervisor taught me that one. So I would recommend it. Can you help me understand what's happening here? That's a good phrase to use. Or, can we figure out a way that you can remember to walk the dog every day? See, when you frame the problem as a question, you avoid a blaming tone, as in, I called the school and you've been skipping fifth period. Okay, so that's a blaming tone. It's going to put the person on the defensive. You don't want to do that. And it begins a conversation in a more gentle way and it puts the question on the other person and then asks them for a response. So you're already asking for a two-way conversation when you start with a question. It avoids a me versus you type of confrontation and allows for collaboration to occur between the two parties. Like, can we figure out a way? Do you hear that? how that's collaborative? That's what you want to get to. Because remember, when you confront someone, you're trying to solve a problem. So make the problem the problem, not the other person the problem. That's an old saying, but it's true. Make the problem the problem, not the other person. All right, now, 
Let's talk about when you need to respond to someone in writing. So let's say somebody complains or sends you sort of a mean or hostile email or makes a mean comment about you on Facebook and you feel like you can't just let it hang out there, let the information be there for other people to see or it's something that you do need to address or clear up, you're going to be really tempted to lash back and to defend yourself and to point out where the other person's wrong or misguided. So number one, resist that feeling. It's going to be a very strong feeling, but resist it. Walk away, breathe, vent, scream, go for a run, you know, do whatever you need to do to calm down because you don't want to react. You want to respond in a calm way. You don't want to strike back at them. Remember that old advice where um, you're supposed to write a letter with your response to the other person and then put it in a drawer for 24 hours and think about it? Okay, that's good advice. So try it. Then after you've calmed down and you determine that you must respond to the written communication, you're going to want to biff them. Here's an example. This is what I mean. I work for a large government social service agency, and I work with families and individuals in crisis, and they're stressed out. And they're not only are they stressed and in crisis, but they're trying to apply for assistance with my agency. So I get a lot of complaining emails about the process because there's a lot of government red tape. So this is the way that I usually respond. I'll say something like, hello, thank you for your email. I understand your concerns about the difficulty in completing the application process. Please submit the requested documentation by next Wednesday so I can complete your file and process your case. If the documentation is not submitted, I will have to close your case. If you have any further questions, you may contact my supervisor. Her phone number is below. Thank you and have a good day. All right, that's it. Did you see how this is brief? It's just one paragraph. It's informative. Submit your documentation by next Wednesday. It's friendly. Hello. I understand. Please. Thank you. And it's firm. I have a firm ending. If you have any further questions, you may contact my supervisor. And that's it. One of the most important things to include in a BIF response is the firm ending. The goal here is to stop the conversation, right? You want to avoid a back and forth interaction. Say what you need to say and then provide an ending. Now let's say you got an email complaining about an event that you planned. Here's a way you could respond. Good morning. Thank you for sharing your thoughts regarding the school party venue. I will certainly keep your suggestions in mind and in the file for next year. And I will strive to improve the experience any way that is possible. Take care. Do you see how that's brief? friendly, informative, and firm. Yep, you just biffed them, okay? <laughs> you sent the message, number one, that you heard the person's complaints. Number two, that you're going to do what you can to improve. And then you ended it. You are not inviting further back and forth interaction. But there's no blame. There's no apology. There's no advice. And it does not get personal. So, Think about this. It would be really hard to take what you said out of context, right? Or use it against you. That's important. Now, if the other person escalates, 
don't respond back. Remember, as far as you're concerned, you ended the conversation. Don't get sucked back in. Now remember, anything that's written can be forwarded to somebody else or there can be somebody else BCC'd, blind carbon copied on that email that you're receiving. So your goal is to respond to the other person, but not in a way that your words can be taken out of context. So if you use the BIF and keep your responses biffy, that will hopefully protect you. Now, one thing to remember is there are some people out there that we call high conflict people, and they really don't have the ability to have insight about their own behavior. In other words, they cannot stand outside of themselves and see how other people might see them. And they also really don't have a good ability to see things from other people's perspectives. By the way, just an aside here, did you know that developing insight is one of the main goals of psychotherapy? And having insight into your own behavior is one of the biggest keys to having good relationships. And it usually leads to growth and change. So I really love it when people develop insight. But anyway, back to high conflict people. Okay, here's the characteristics of high conflict people. Number one, they display all or nothing thinking. So you're either a goodie or you're a baddie in their eyes. And guess what? You're only a goodie if you do what they want. And they see the world sometimes as us versus them. Number two, they have extreme emotions and behavior. They get super angry. They get extremely sad or hurt. They might get violent. They might yell. They might spread rumors or lie about you. They're very sensitive, very critical. And then number three, they blame people for their feelings and their problems. Nothing's their fault. They're quick to find fault in others. They don't take responsibility for their own emotions. So if you think you're dealing with a high conflict personality person, you need to keep all of your communications really, really biffy, okay? You know how we were taught defensive driving in driving school? Well, you need to have defensive communication with these kinds of people. So always assume that whatever you say to them is going to be repeated or read in a negative way or thrown back into your face or forwarded to somebody else. So keep everything super short. You might want to have somebody read your responses before you send them and cut out anything extra. And always make sure that you have a friendly and firm ending. Be careful. All right, well, that's about all I have to share about confronting someone, but I know that I'm just scratching the surface of the topic here, and we could go on. And if you do need more information, definitely check out the books on my website, the references, because they're really good resources. And that website is howcanihelpyoupodcast.weebly.com, or you can email me, howcanihelpyoupodcast at gmail.com. So if you have a question, please um, submit it as well. I would really like to thank all of the listeners who are listening. I so appreciate you. It'd be really great if you could rate my podcast. That helps me. Also, if you have any comments or anything to add to this conversation, I welcome them and I would love to hear them. And I also want to thank all the people who are submitting questions. 
because we're getting some good ones and I love answering the questions. And I'd like to thank my producer, Mary Ellen Pitney, who is also my beautiful daughter and has been working very hard to help me do this podcast. Couldn't do it without you. And until next time, I hope you stay safe and healthy and I hope you have a good day. Thank you.